the Kerry Ambassador Programme podcast series, introducing you to the community and industry leaders aiming to make Kerry a premier business event destination and a place to do business. The Kerry Ambassador Programme was launched in October 2022. This pioneering county initiative is led by Kerry Convention Bureau in partnership with Kerry County Council, Falcher Ireland, Kerry Tourism Industry Federation, Kerry SciTech and Prosper Kerry. Over the last 12 months, our podcast series has shone a spotlight on some of the programme's founding ambassadors. And in the final episode for the year, we meet Professor Monty Mython, Senior Vice President, Medical Affairs, Critical Care at Edwards Life Sciences and Director of the UCL Discovery Lab. The son of a Lisbole woman, he launched a medical conference in Dingle in 1998. It's still attracting medical professionals from around the world. Monty, you're very welcome. It's good to be here. Massive congratulations to you on being chosen as one of the founding ambassadors of the Kerry Ambassador Programme. Well, it was a big surprise to me, but a, a great thrill. I was absolutely delighted. And so was my mother. Will you tell us about your Kerry heritage? Hence mentioning my mother straight away. Both my parents are Irish. My father's from Wexford, from Curraclo. My mother's from the bridge Lisbole, just on the way into Dingle there. And they both ended up in London just after the end of the Second World War. My father went over to, as it was said at the time, to dig the roads. And my mother went over to take up a nursing position in, in the beginning of the National Health Service. And she nursed into her 70s and now she's uh, alive and well in her 90s, still living in southeast London. Fantastic. And you spent a lot of your childhood in Kerry then as a result. Will you tell us about your memories of that? Well, for a while I was a bit confused. I knew I went to school in London, but I seemed to wake up every holiday in Ireland, which was a, a wonderful way to spend your growing years with all of my cousins around me and uh, my uncles, uh, Tomas and Pordy Fitzgerald. So you ended up in doing summer work in their businesses in Dingle and then going out on the fishing boats eventually with my uncle Tomas. So it was a wonderful life experience and a great combination of London and uh, the west of Ireland. And you mentioned your mother there being a nurse. Did that influence your own career choice? I think very much so. So she was a district nurse eventually. And when we had challenges with childcare, she would stick me on the back of her bicycle as a wee pup and uh, cycle around southeast London and take me to see patients. And I, I really enjoyed it. And so when it came to a choice of university, and I was pretty good at science and I had a chance to go to Guy's Hospital to watch some heart surgery, I thought, well, I'll, I'll give this a go. And uh, the rest is history. You've worked in the States, you've been involved in medical journals, you're renowned in your field. Will you tell us more about your career? So, as I said, I ended up uh, eventually going to the Middlesex Hospital straight from school. So I went to 18 years old, five years of medical training. So by the age of 23, I was working as a doctor. Then ended up having a quite an eclectic career, including heading off to New Zealand for a while and ended up training in anaesthesia and intensive care medicine. And uh, then in the end of my career training, I ended up in the United States of America in North Carolina, where I mainly did open heart surgery, anaesthesia and intensive care. And then eventually came back to London, to the then Middlesex Hospital, now University College London Hospitals about 25 years ago, 
and shortly after that set up the first academic department there and went on to be the professor and head of a new department that grew very successfully over the decades. You launched an annual medical conference in Dingle back in 1998, which is going as strong as ever, attracting delegates from around the world. And we will get to that in a moment. But let's go back to the 1970s and 80s. Can you tell us about the rugby tours that you brought to Kerry? (laughs) Well, when I ended up at medical school, I was in my second year and I was playing rugby reasonably well by medical school standards. I ended up in the first team at the Middlesex Hospital. They were talking about going on tour and I said, well, why don't we go to Ireland? It'd be great fun. So we ended up using my father from Wexford as our tour guide and we headed off in a minibus and we played three places around the country. We played in Wexford, we played in Tralee and ended up playing in Malahide in Dublin. That was my first time taking teams to Ireland. And then later on in my life, I ended up playing for United Hospitals, playing in Dublin before one of the internationals. And then as I got older, my son started playing rugby and in total they've come back for three different tours to Ireland, all ending up at one stage in the club back west there in the Geltuk. We've uh, played in total three times with the teams at various different ages. And you mentioned your own family there. Is being Irish something you want to instill in them? And I'm sure your own career maybe doesn't lend you to spend as much time here as you did when you were young. But is that something you'd like to pass on to them? Absolutely. I'm lucky enough to have four children. So two boys and two girls. Girls, boy, girl, girl, boy. The youngest is in their mid-twenties now. The oldest is just coming up on 30. And they all love coming to Ireland. They all love it. They love Ireland, the place. Very much like West Kerry and very much like going to Dingle. How did the medical conference come about and was Dingle your only choice of venue? I just arrived back from America and was setting up this new department and I was saying to my colleagues about the importance of having a, a conference to share our research and they said, well, we don't want to have one in London, don't really want to have one elsewhere in England, that feels a bit odd. Uh, we could go elsewhere in Europe. And I said, well, what about Ireland? You know, um, that's where my family's from. They said, that's a fantastic idea. Everyone wants to go to Ireland. And uh, we ended up in Dingle to give it the first test. And from then on, everyone who's come said, please don't go anywhere else. Stay on the Dingle Peninsula. <laughs> and tell us about who the conference is aimed at then. It's definitely an international group. So we do get people attending from all over the world. So this year, our plenary speakers we featured were from not only the UK, Ireland and close Europe, but also from Australia and the United States, for example. It's a meeting that's been entitled Current Controversies in Perioperative Care. So everything that happens around the time of surgery, we try to deal with. But we also have some wildcard presentations. So last year we had one of my colleagues gave a talk about the history of Tom Crean. And this year we had another historical presentation about some local heroes. Yes, uh, delegates really get a sense of what the Dingle Peninsula is about. They're immersed in the culture and the scenery. Was giving them this experience part of your idea when devising the conference originally? Definitely. We put it together. My sadly departed younger sister, Siobhan, helped set the whole thing up. And when it was set up, it was very much set up with family and friends and tried to involve as many local businesses as possible and include Irish dancing, getting people to do some Cayley, to get exposed to Irish music, to take them out to the Blasket Centre, to help them hear some of the Irish language and to understand some of the importance of things like GAA sports, for example. So they get fully immersed 
And we also give them an opportunity to, to go around the town of Dingle on a regular basis to have a proper cultural experience. And during COVID, the conference was held as a virtual event, but one that still very much created a sense of being in Dingle and in Kerry. Can you share a few of the things you undertook and devices you employed to create a sense of the destination, albeit virtually? Well, the first one we did when we were fully locked down, we did it out of a studio, which is in an actual a law firm. One of our friends and colleagues, Martin Howe and his family, it's a law firm that's based in what used to be a hospital in Brentford in London. And within that hospital, for, it's a longer story for another day, there happens to be an audiovisual studio. So we set up in there and did our best to pretend that we were still in Dingle, in the Skellig Hotel, including recording some dancing and some music, etc., and tried to give that real sort of sense of being there. And to do that, we deployed a version of a sort of Teams or Zoom type of lecture setup and ran a full live meeting that seemed to go very well. The second time we were unlocked enough to set up a studio in the main room at the Skellig Hotel in the ballroom there. So we set up a pop-up studio and exploited not only the fact that there's so much great local talent in audiovisual communication, but also the you know world-class internet speeds that are available in Dingle out of the Skellig Hotel meant that we could have a meeting that was linked ourselves up to Chicago in the USA and ran a hybrid meeting with a, uh, about 10 or 12 people in the room, but most people were where they were at home around the world. And hopefully now we're back to for proper live meetings and, and long may it last. You were an early investor in Kerry Airport, which now plays a significant economic role in the region. It must be very satisfying to see the impact the airport has had on Kerry's development. Oh, it's wonderful. It was by uh, Uncle Tomas, Tomas Fitzgerald, said you should invest in this airport. He, he said, you're not going to invest in it to make any money, but you should invest in it because it's the right thing to do. And I was a young doctor and myself and a, a friend from the UK put the little bit of money we had in to help get things going and very, very proud to be a part of it. The airport's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And a huge asset, of course, to the conference that you hold in getting the delegates out to Dingle. But very important to them. So um, they've got very used to the routes now and get quite excited about the bus or the taxi trip to and from the airport. That's part of the kicking the, the meeting off and closing it out effectively. But the vast majority of them choose to use that routine. Or if it's more difficult for them, they'll go to Shannon or Cork or even Dublin. But uh, Kerry Airport's the main routine. And for yourself too, when you do get a chance to get back to Kerry, it's great to have the route there from London to Kerry. That's fantastic. The fact that we can uh, be up to Luton Airport's closest to where I live in in West London, we get up up there, jump on a flight and you can do it in about four hours door to door if you get lucky. Speaking of London, you have been very active in the Kerry Association London over the years and you were recognised in 2019 as the Kerry Person of the Year. What did receiving that accolade mean to you? Uh, Again, just shocked and uh, absolutely thrilled you know to be able to have my family there my mother there all of the children and friends and family and to be celebrated in that way it was an award for my family friends and colleagues I just happened to be the person who picked it up Uh, but delighted to have it be in my name and it's the trophy that I was given to to market is proudly displayed in my office where I work in California at the moment and 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 admired by folks as they come in the door Mm -hmm. 
The Kerry Ambassador Programme, this is the reason we're here today, it's just celebrated its one-year anniversary and it's been a very, very busy year for the team at the Kerry Convention Bureau, working with so many of the Kerry Ambassadors on identifying and developing a range of event opportunities, some of which have now been confirmed as Business One for Kerry, worth an estimated €2 million. As someone who's been instrumental in establishing and delivering an international conference of significant note in Kerry for over 20 years, you're aware of the power of business events and their ability to deliver both economic benefits and legacy outcomes for the community. With business events forming a key pillar of the Kerry Ambassador Programme, how did it feel to be chosen as one of the founding ambassadors of it? Uh, it, it was great. Absolutely delighted to have the opportunity to be able to tell people about Kerry on a more frequent basis, you know, because I've got the, again, the plaque up in my room and I use the, the designation for sign off on certain communications. Um, you know, we, we all know how, what an amazing place Kerry is. The, 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 all you have to do is get people there once and you've got them. So that's the challenge is to get them there in the first place, to get them just a little bit further down the road from Shannon, Cork and Dublin and say, look, great airport here, uh, great, um, uh, great communication, uh, great infrastructure. Just come and see what there is. And once we've got you in, you, you won't be going back. In terms of being a founding ambassador, do you think there are further opportunities above and beyond the annual event you already bring? that you could be involved in to further drive economic growth and raise Kerry's profile as a place to do business? So we did a little extension this year. I worked with a group from the USA called the Perioperative Quality Initiative, and we brought them in to do an, uh, a round table event, a sort of high pressure think tank of about uh, 15 to 20 people from around the world. Uh, we actually started in Kilani, so we brought them in to a wonderful venue there for them to experience everything that uh, Kerry has to offer and then ended up at the Skellig Hotel in the Dingle Peninsula. Now all of them have said that they're coming back and it's now on their radar from the point of view of all organising events in the future. So as I said it's it, you just got to get people there and once you've got them there they say wow there's so much on offer here. You know not only the quality of the accommodation, the people, the help, the support, the, the food, Everything that goes with it, it's world class. Well, look, Monty, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Good to talk to you. The Kerry Ambassador Programme. Driving economic growth through business events and investment opportunities and raising Kerry's profile as a global business hub. For more, visit kerryconventionbureau.com forward slash Kerry Ambassador.